today on the Daily Scoop podcast from the Scoop News Group. Making sure your company is ready for the flood of federal funds. The new money that's going to be pushing out the door from the federal government through grants and not contracts. And a people-centric approach to modernizing government. Very clear there are opportunities in both cases for way better you know, customer interface. And I, and I know folks are trying hard. It's Tuesday, January 11th, 2022. Welcome to the Daily Scoop podcast. Every afternoon, you'll learn what's going on today in government. I'm the guest host of the Daily Scoop podcast, Billy Mitchell. Francis Rose is out today. Here's what's happening now. The Department of Health and Human Services is unveiling its new artificial intelligence website. The website lays out the agency's automation goals for 2022, including improving employee skills through its AI community of practice. HHS Chief AI Officer Oki Mech says to truly leverage AI, the health sector must, quote, communicate, share, and collaborate. Office 365 tools are now available across the Navy. The department says it has moved all of its 472,000 users to the Microsoft-based collaboration platform as part of its Flank Speed project. The goal is to provide a similar experience to the commercial virtual remote environment that DOD created during the pandemic. It's not too early to plan for IT Mod Week. It's coming February 28th through March 4th. More than 100 events will happen around D.C. with lots of government and industry speakers. You can find a link to learn more in today's show notes at thedailyscooppodcast.com. Federal agencies are beginning to award money from the Infrastructure Investment and Jobs Act with $550 billion in federal spending allocated to new investments in areas like transportation, energy, and broadband. Much of this money will be awarded as grants instead of contracts. Angela Stiles, partner at Aiken Gump, Strauss, Hauer, and Feld LLP and former administrator of federal procurement policy at the Office of Management and Budget, tells Francis how businesses should think differently about federal grants versus contracts. So many businesses that um, we work with and we talk about are used to federal contracting. They're not really used to the grant world. And there's a set of very well-developed terms and conditions and cases and understanding of how federal contracts operate. There's billions of dollars that go out the door in grants, but really not a well-developed understanding of the grant regulations and the grant rules and how they differ by agencies and how you comply with them. In many respects, they're much more complicated than simple contracting. If you're a commercial item contractor, you're going to be looking at grant rules that require you to come up with budgets and cost numbers and to be audited and to you know, understand what it would mean to have income coming in from your grant that you might have to give back to the federal government. So uh, there are a lot of complexities where there's a lot of companies that may be sophisticated at government contracts, may not be sophisticated at government contracts, but there's a lot of companies looking at this, you know, massive trillion dollars uh, of money, about 550 billion of it for infrastructure is new. Um, So new money that's going to be pushing out the door from the federal government through grants and not contracts. So lots and lots of companies are interested, but I don't think are very sophisticated about the grant compliance rules. Is there a difference between the grants that will be available in this vehicle and grants that have been available historically from the federal government? There will be some differences. So there's some you know, new areas like broadband, there's um, new areas of transportation, um, there's new areas of water infrastructure, and certainly some new clean energy areas as well. Uh, Many of the programs, I'd say, you know, you've got about 1.2 trillion in the infrastructure bill, about half of it are kind of prior programs and about 
Half of it are going to be new grant programs. Some of it's going to be pushed down to the states through formulas or through, you know, grants that the states themselves are competing for. And then the states let them. But there's often federal um, grant requirements that come along with those for private companies and nonprofits. But a lot of them are actually competitive grants that are going to be coming directly from the Department of Energy or directly from the Department of Transportation. Where do you see companies go wrong? What are the mistakes that companies normally make that have a lot of experience, as you alluded to earlier, in contracting and don't have as much experience in grants? Are there threads, common themes among where you see people make mistakes? Absolutely. So there's a fairly rigorous rigorous budget process where they have to keep track of their costs. It's a lot like cost accounting for federal government contracts. They're very unique intellectual property provisions, particularly for the Department of Energy. Um, I also find that um, uh, a lot of companies don't understand this kind of concept of profit with regard to grants. So many years ago, you know, we were dealing with a company that um, had taken grant money, a private company, to put it into a dam. Well, when it came for them to sell the dam, because actually that does happen, Um, the federal government was back knocking on the door saying, well, you know, you made money off of this. Where's our share? Because we invested essentially in building this dam. You um, used the term a moment ago that the, the regarding the costs and budgeting, that it's a lot like cost accounting in a contract. That means it's not exactly like cost accounting in a contract. And I imagine that's a significant place that somebody could stumble by just the way they keep the books. Well, exactly. And, and so many um, companies, you know, whether you're a commercial company or whether you're, you know, newer to the federal space, um, don't really know what cost accounting means. And so many of the rules are, are very similar to the cost accounting standards. Um, uh, there's a whole set for colleges and universities and nonprofits that are very similar. And then the cost accounting is really the cost accounting that's required for um, federal contracts. But not really that many companies do cost accounting. I mean, it's a cost buildup, you know, it's just not how a normal um, company that may be bidding on these grants operates or collects their information or produces it for the federal government. What should companies be doing now to potentially prepare for this kind of work? What, what do they need to do something different to get ready to bid on it or deliver it? So yes, they do. I mean, there's a compliance aspect and then there's the aspect of being prepared to actually bid on it as well. So there is a period of time, you know, before the agencies push out this money where you can influence, you know, where you can go in and talk to them about where it's important for this money to be allocated, what kind of constraints they should put on the money um, before they actually go out and say, this is the notice of funding opportunity. Please let us know if you, you know, have a proposal to put forward or, you know, a funding application to put forward. Um, So there is an front end opportunity. Um, And and part of that is looking at, well, how do I develop a proposal? What are the costs of that? What are the elements of it? If it's construction, what's the timing? You know, how long is it going to take for me to get things in place? What's my accounting system? How am I going to account for this? Um, There's a whole, and what are the Buy American provisions? There's really unique Buy American provisions related to grants. Am I willing to accept the intellectual property that they may take along with the grant? What are those? How is it? Department of Energy is oftentimes different than the Department of Transportation. Um, So understanding what that means before you get in too deep and assume that you're going to get, you know, $50 million for this particular R&D project or another. I asked about the stumbling blocks already, the things that people, kind of the mistakes that people make over and over again. 
are there potentially different mistakes because uh, of the way that the Infrastructure Act is written or the provisions for it that might be new mistakes for companies to potentially make? Yeah, a lot of it. Uh, a lot of the new areas are going to be related to Buy American Act and, and how the administration approaches that, how the legislation has approached that, for particularly for the Department of Transportation. So companies that are used to uh, Buy American Act provisions for contractors, it's very, very different when you're dealing with the Department of Transportation. The Infrastructure Act added new provisions in there. So making sure that everybody understands how they're in the act, how they differ from before, and how the different agencies are going to implement them is going to be a very important piece of this as well. Once again, that was Angela Stiles of Aiken Gump. You can read more about federal acquisition in today's show notes at thedailyscooppodcast.com. I'm Fed Scoop Editor-in-Chief Billy Mitchell, sitting in for Francis Rose today on The Daily Scoop Podcast. For more on the latest from Washington, follow The Daily Scoop Podcast at Daily Scoop Pod on Twitter and search The Daily Scoop Podcast on LinkedIn and Facebook. The Senate has confirmed 267 of President Biden's political nominations so far, and according to the Partnership for Public Service, 180 more nominations are being considered by the Senate, including key roles in cybersecurity and technology. Tony Scott, president and CEO of Intrusion and former federal chief information officer, tells Francis what federal CIOs and CISOs should have on their radars in the meantime. Well, I think, you know, top on my mind is always people. Um, I'm I'm glad to see a lot of the CIO roles getting filled, um, which is always important. It's a shame it takes so long. You know, we've lost almost a year, you know, um, and a year in leadership times is, you know, a long, long time. But, um, you know, I'm glad to see, you know, uh, those get filled um, and get going. Um, You know, I think a little of my focus is shifting. Um, Still very concerned about cybersecurity, obviously, given my new role and, and just the continued problems. You know, the escalation of zero-day attacks, the number of those is alarming, but not surprising in some sense. Um, And then probably the other one, Francis, is just the continued focus on customer service and making the, you know, federal uh, websites, uh, you know, making government services more accessible and for the government easy to do business with. Um, I've just had the interesting experience of interfacing uh, for reasons we don't need to talk about with the IRS website <laughs> and, and also with GSA with the, um, uh, you know, registering, you know, the SAM system. And, and you know, it's very clear there are opportunities in both cases for way better, you know, customer interface. Um, and I, and I know folks are trying hard, but you know the the standard I, that we're uh, achieving today is a pretty low bar in a lot of respects. So I uh, I think there's big opportunity there. I'm gonna write that down as maybe the best diplomatically stated critique in the history of the Daily Scoop podcast. It's clear there are opportunities. <laughs> 
yeah. um, for customer experience improvement. What does that look like from the technologist's perspective? What's the technologist's role in dealing with in a in a case like a government situation where the end user in the government is not the end user of, for example, the website, the the taxpayer in the case of the IRS, not meaning to pick on them, but what's the technologist's role in interfacing with the mission owners inside the IRS say, and what responsibility does that mission owner have to be able to explain, well, this is what the taxpayer should want or does want or whatever that we need to be able to provide. The closest analogy I can think of, Francis, is when I worked at GM, we were um, really focused on initially trying to create a digital experience for buying a car. And it was very clear to me at that time, this is in the early 2000s, um, that none of our senior executives in, the, in their recent history, at least, had ever gone into a dealer and actually bought a car, had never actually experienced what a typical customer would. And so one of the decisions that we were able to get our then CEO to agree to was to force all of our senior executives to go in and actually experience what it was like. You know, at that time, we all had company cars and somebody would show up and hand you the keys to a car and, you know, you, you thought everything was great. But after going through that actual buying experience just once, people came back with the blood drained out of their face. It was just like, oh my God, I can't believe how horrible, you know, that experience was. And it served as sort of a, a good motivation and talking point for the entire executive leadership team to get together and say, well, my gosh, if we're going to create a digital, let's not recreate that experience, <laughs> you know, because we'll be out of business. Nobody will ever, you know, buy a car. Um, so that led to, a, you know, a whole series of changes over the next several years. And I think we need to do that in the federal government. I, you know, I think we've got to force our leadership teams, and this is way beyond just IT, to go through that actual customer experience and then collectively say, wow, you know, can we really change this in some, you know, profound way? Because um, I think until you do that as a leadership team, you're probably not going to make the kind of progress that you want. Everybody gets focused on their own little narrow niche and say, well, my little piece works fine, uh, but collectively it, it obviously doesn't. Um, so that'd be my approach to this. Um, the place where I think that has happened, uh, that at least that I'm most aware of, it's the agriculture department. I mean, that's something that Gary Washington has really driven at yeah. USDA is going out into the farms and going out into the fields and really standing next to these folks with their iPads and, and you know, the, all of their mobile devices and trying to see how they're trying to interact with the resources that USDA provides. And in some cases coming back to the office going, Holy, we had no idea this is what people had to slog through and, sure. and then going about fixing it. That's sounds like exactly what you're referring to. Yeah, the other the other practice that I personally engaged in, and 
I just found it super helpful was to every month when I was at Microsoft um, and also then at VMware later on, I would go sit down for an hour or so at our help desk and just listen to calls, just listen to issues that our customers were having with, with our products. And I discovered a really interesting thing. The, the folks at the help desk learned not only what our problems were, because they heard them every day, but they also learned crafty workarounds to all of the problems. So their primary goal was get the customer what they needed. But they weren't, in all cases, getting the feedback back to our product groups and our designers about what the actual problems were. And so quite often our product groups were shocked to hear that, you know, this didn't work or that didn't work because it didn't show up in their testing. Um, and sometimes they were even super unaware of the workarounds that people were putting in place. And uh, so when I would see, you know, really important ones, I'd drag somebody from the product groups with me and uh, say, hey, listen to this. Uh, you know, this will light your hair on fire, you know, when you hear uh, this. And and I think the same is true of the federal government, as well-intentioned as we are with some of the programs and, and other things. But I would make it mandatory for every member of Congress and every, um, you know, uh, executive team in every agency, I would force them to sit and listen to some of this uh, at least once a year, it would be, you know, highly valuable. And I think they would have a completely different perspective on how well or not well things are going. Um, final thought, Tony, what is your sense of the level of improvement in that? I mean, th what you're talking about basically is the left hand knows what the right hand's doing. Um, yeah. You know, mission knows what technology's doing, tech knows what mission needs. What's your sense of the trajectory of that between when you became federal CIO in 2015 and today? Well, I see, I see marked improvement. Um, I have to say, I mean, it's, I don't think anybody's sitting on their hands or, uh, you know, I don't think we've made backward steps or any of that kind of stuff. So I got to give credit where credit's due. There are pockets of things that I think have moved forward substantially, even including the agencies that I just mentioned, you know, it's way better than it was. Um, but it doesn't mean we need to stop by any means. I think we've got to you know, really push hard now um, because in the rest of our world, things have advanced as well. I mean, if you remember online banking when it first came out, you know, yeah, it was better than having to go into the bank, but it was far different than what it has evolved to yeah. today. And, and I think government needs to move at that same sort of pace in terms of improvements. That was President and CEO of Intrusion and former federal CIO Tony Scott. You can find a link to the Partnership for Public Service Tracker on Biden nominations in today's show notes at thedailyscooppodcast.com. The Daily Scoop Podcast is available on all podcast platforms. If you've already rated the show on your platform of choice, thanks so much. High ratings and good reviews of the show help more people find it. The Daily Scoop Podcast is a production of the Scoop News Group in Washington, D.C. James Mahoney helps me put this show together, and the entire Scoop News Group team contributes. 
We'll be back with a new show tomorrow afternoon. Until then, I'm Billy Mitchell sitting in for Francis Rose on the Daily Scoop podcast. Thanks so much for listening.